Hello, and welcome to Circle Forward Conversations and Stories about Restorative Practices in Schools. Check us out on our website at circleforward.ca or follow us on Instagram at circle.forward. And for our first episode, here are your hosts, Shelly, Steve, and me, Stan, talking about our first circles. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to uh, just talk about first circles or first experiences with circles. And uh, I mean, it kind of gets to how we got into restorative practice in the first place. But um, Shelly, you were mentioning something about the first circle that you ever did. I'm wondering if you can kind of let us in on what happened with that one. Sure. Uh, so this literally was the, my first circle after training. Um, very few people understood what restorative practices or restorative circles were about. I was working at a secondary school and they had put on their annual Christmas assembly where the kids, of course, do skits, etc. And the, um, there was a skit about uh, with a number of students, but I think they were going to a school dance or something was the premise of the skit. And within this skit, um, they mimicked a young man who... Um, it came out to be gay eventually and everybody everybody uh he had his mannerisms and his his gestures that were well known around the school and so he was mimicked on the stage as coming into this school dance and in that moment when i was watching that skit as an audience member you know i took a gasp in because i realized the magnitude of what had just happened for this young man and perhaps others in the audience for sure. And my role at the school at that time was the child and youth counselor. So I had often had these discussions with, with students as well. So after everybody goes off to Christmas break, that's the end of the assembly. We come back on day one and in the principal's office is the young man's father who wants the teacher's job, who oversaw the assembly. He wants the students expelled or you know severely penalized in some way that participated in the skit and the, the 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 assembly for the most part and the students in the skits were student council students so they weren't generally kids that found themselves in a lot of difficulty but this was a very angry father um, and really wanted this teacher's job uh, to be ended and was taking it board level so this was my first circle my first circle was at a time when we didn't do classroom circles. We weren't talking about those proactive pieces of circles. We were still doing formal conferencing. So the first circle I ever did was to facilitate a formal conference. Um, having been trained, uh, talked about it, all those things. I observed a formal conference at one point, but wasn't part of it. I was only sort of on the outside uh, observing it. But then I was asked to do a formal conference at another school. Uh, to help them deal with an issue. This was in the early days of restorative. And so it was an expulsion hearing. A student was, you know, they decided for the, you know, in the early days of our board, let's try a, a restorative conference, a restorative circle, and see if that can make a difference rather than expelling this high school student uh, for, for um, sexual abuse. Well, there, was some conf there was some questioning whether, whether it was sexual abuse or, or a sexual assault. Um, Regardless, we, we decided to have this circle. It was the first one I'd ever done. I thought, sure, I'm starting off with a nice, easy topic. Uh, I didn't do it by myself. I had another principal. She'd also been trained. So we did it together. Um, it went extremely well. Um, charges were withdrawn. The, the, the other, the girl who was, um, 
who was the I'll say in this the, today's vernacular the the who was on the receiving end the victim at that time uh, didn't attend but we had victim impact statements and some of her friends attended to talk about the impact that it had on them so it was really quite powerful in that regard and so we we managed to come to a fairly good um, ground. He's, the student was still suspended for 20 days. The expulsion was withdrawn. He was moved to another school, but still within the board. So there was still that very heavy punitive belief that had to happen out of this. And for that kind of, a, the charges were withdrawn by the police. So there wasn't that hanging over the, the student's head, but it was a really tough one to do as my first one. Uh, I'll on the positive side, though, I certainly didn't have any kind of qualms about jumping into another one after that. I figured if I could handle that one, uh, you know, and, and sort of make it through to a, a reasonable conclusion, that there wasn't probably a lot of topics that I couldn't handle after that. And so I did a lot more after that for the board, um, usually high schools, usually with expulsion hearings. I do want to share a story, though, an interesting story that happened with one of my teachers when he was doing his first circle. And it was the first circle for a class. It wasn't the first circle he ever done, but it was the first circle this class had ever had. And he would—he had been brought in to take over this class in, I believe it was October or November of a year, grade seven class. And the teacher went on leave. And it was a class that had a lot of challenges, a lot of strong personalities, uh, a lot of noise, um, very uncooperative. He had come from a background of working with kids in, in those hardest served classes. So he felt he could handle it. And he came to me one day and said, I think I want to try a circle, try to do circles with this class and see if we can build some class community. So we talked about the first circle and what would the topics be, we rehearsed it. And he said, I'll do it by myself. I don't need you there. He was pretty confident. So he went and he did this circle with this grade seven class. And he, as they're finishing the day, I asked him, so how did your circle go? He says, oh, it was an absolute disaster. So it was just a disaster. Nobody would, nobody would be quiet. Nobody would listen. They're interrupting each other. They're name calling. I finally had to stop it after about 10 minutes. I don't even think we even got around once. And I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, well, we're going to try again tomorrow. And so to me, I thought that was fantastic. He, he realized it was not going to work the first time. He was, I don't know what his expectations were, but he certainly wasn't swayed by the fact that it didn't work. In his mind, it was a disaster, but he went right back at it the next day and the next day and the next day. And they started every day with a classroom circle until the class suddenly realized, you know what, I guess this is going to happen. They started to cooperate a bit more. And once they started to cooperate, they realized that this wasn't such a bad thing after all. And it was still a challenging class. But I, I always tell that story for a first time because he didn't give up. And that's when we do training with people telling people it's not going to may not work the first time it's probably not going to work to your expectations the first time but don't give up just because it's the first time it'll it'll get better that's that's what i've said to people too at the end of the training kind of go okay so now you need to understand that this is not going to work and they go what <laughs> well it's not going to work the first time it's called restorative practice for a reason i mean you've got to work at it and stuff like that I wanted to just get back to the, the first circle that you did, Steve, and then I, I really want to hear back from Shelley about what actually happened with your circle. But um, what was the, the positive outcome of that first circle that you did? And what were some of the things you thought, boy, if I had a do-over, I would do that differently? I think the positive outcome, apart from the student not being expelled, I, could, I guess you could look at it as positive from his perspective. I think the student got a, a perspective about his, the impact of his actions had on not just the girl 
who was the victim who wasn't there, but also all her friends and their beliefs and what they thought and how it impacted them as well. Their feelings of not being safe in the halls and not being safe in the classroom and not being safe even with other boys, let alone this boy. And I don't think he ever really thought about that before. We're talking about 15, 16 year olds at the time. Uh, I don't think he ever really thought about it. And so my gut told me he got, he really got a good message out of that. Um, his parents were there too. Obviously parents were there too. They understood the, you know, the severity of what he had done. And I think, don't think he really truly understand the effect it was having on his parents as well. The shame that it was, you know, they felt for his son being, their son being in this. So I was, I would say the most positive aspect came out of his understanding of his actions, which is the reason we do circles like that. You know, apart from the pragmatic pieces of withdrawing the expulsion and charges being dropped, which, you know, was a great sigh of relief for him. I think that the learning was the, the biggest piece. It's, it, I think it has to be one of my favorite parts of just the privilege of being in the room uh, and actually having somebody recognize the impact of their action on others. And uh, that, that is, and, and you actually get to be there. You actually get to be in the room when this happens. That's, that's, that's amazing. But Shelly, what, what actually happened with the circle that you did? Because you came back after Christmas yeah. and this parent wants blood and... Mm -hmm. It's been time passed and what, what, what actually happened? Yeah, and so the board office is, of course, the superintendent's calling and saying, well, they just had this restorative practice formal conference training. This would be a great one for that. So there was also that additional pressure that this is going to be the first probably in the board that this is happening. As, as well as a parent that wants to take it to the level, we hadn't hit the press yet, but wanted the level that this teacher was going to be um, consequenced severely, if not lose his job. That was the, the parent's uh, hope. So I, I, you know, we're skimming over things here, but a con formal conference like that, the amount of prep work, I don't want to undermine, uh, you know, understate that at all, because this dad was very, very, very angry. And, you know, when you're first going to propose to him that you're going to have a conversation, these will be the people in the room, this is the goal. Um, it took two or three conversations with him to feel, for me to feel confident as a facilitator that we could go ahead with this and have it be productive. Um, we, we got there. But it did take, you know, I had to let him vent. I had to let him be angry. I had to let him do all those things. And then we could talk about what, be, what would be most helpful for his son and then, and then hold that conference. So, so what, what was the, like, in your mind, as you think back to it, what was the, the most positive outcome? Or what was the thing that, that sticks with you as, boy, this was really worthwhile? Right. Um, well, you, the... The dad was able to, he did, you know, we did the formal conference and it went very well. Um, there was people that were very uncomfortable in there. Again, these were the students that were in there are students that, you know, have not been in this position before and are, were kids that didn't seek to harm other kids in particular. So for them, I saw, you know, there was never any intent there, but as 17 year olds or 16 year olds, they had their eyes open to the impact of their actions. We, uh, at the end of it also, the, the dad was 
okay with the res the resolution that we came up with that it wasn't about having this teacher's job anymore but that some pieces were put forward so this kind of thing wouldn't happen again and the, and dad was okay with that i think the young man who you know was a kid that did struggle with behavior as well and getting his voice heard in a way that people would listen to it because it was often accompanied by behavior um had a chance to have his voice in a way and had people quiet and listening to him. So he experiences that as well. So there was a, as there often is in circles, there's a lot of good things that go on. Um, and, uh, you know, the teacher, it didn't go any further than that. So the teacher's job, he can carried on at the school he was at without any repercussions after that as well. I was thinking back to it, the, the first circle that I had actually wasn't a circle at all. Uh, uh, I was principal at an elementary school and I happened to walk out onto the yard just as the bell was ringing and I saw this one grade seven boy grab another grade seven boy by the back of the shirt, whip him down on the ground, a, a third boy come up with the football, drill it at the first kid's head and a fourth boy come flying in and just pile on all of them. And it was just kind of like, what is going on? All of you guys to my office, here's a piece of paper, write down what happened. And then I got busy with stuff and I forgot that these four guys were sitting out in front of my office. Like it was just like, a, and it, so, you know, it was the end of recess and they were supposed to be back in class, but they were sitting outside my office and I was taking care of some stuff as principals sometimes do at school. You know about that, right, Steve? And, and uh, so it was about, half an hour 40 minutes later and I went out there and I went oh shoot I didn't say this out loud but I just went oh guys yes um so what uh, now I need to know you know what what happened out here and one of them uh, said oh it, it's okay sir we got it all worked out we wrote down what had happened and then we all exchanged papers and we realized it was all just a big misunderstanding and then we said sorry to each other and uh it's all good and I looked at them and I said, guys, you're going to have to stop doing this kind of stuff because you're going to put me out of a job real quick if you keep doing this. What really happened was exactly what you want to have happen in a circle or a restorative type conversation, that people get to hear and see others' perspectives because they only, each of them only saw part of it. And I don't know all the details, but I do know that these four guys, I mean, they were friends. They just had a misunderstanding that I happened to witness right at the end of the game. And uh, as the bell's ringing, you know, somebody wants to score a touchdown or didn't count or I don't know. But anyway, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was terrific. And how empowering for kids. Isn't that what we want for kids to teach them that they're able to figure these things out when things go wrong, that these are the skills and that's the piece, it, they still have to be taught these things. So you've, you know, by leaving them to their own uh, uh, for a few minutes there or an hour, whatever it was, uh, that they had to figure this out, that they have the skills to do that and be able to carry on. Um, we know that sometimes often people need support to do that, but these guys sound like they already had a relationship, but they just discovered now that they had a way to sort that through without adult intervention. It, it really it was only a few minutes. It wasn't like hours and hours, okay? Just let's be clear here. <laughs> well, principals would, are very busy, you know. Oh, I, would, <laughs> I would still take credit, Stan, for having that being a calculated time 
for them to get together. That's right. But, that's no, I was gonna. I was gonna say that even in some of our, we're sort of off the circle piece, and we're talking about students being having the skills to manage their own issues. Um, and I would count on that um, in situations where I might have in-school suspensions. And you know, we bring kids in, and they'd sit in my office, and um, kids who were, weren't even friends or they were, didn't know each other very well. It could be a bullying situation or just constantly antagonizing each other. And I would have them sit at a table in my in my office for maybe a couple of days working. And there are times when I have to leave the office, and I would joke with guys, you know, you know, nobody's going to kill each other, right? You're going to be good. I have to be, and they'd all laugh. But every once in a while, I'd ask them questions and get them talking. And it's amazing. Time after time, I would do this. Kids who were constantly at each other for had been for years suddenly are talking to each other about games that they play, video games, things that they do at home, getting to know each other on a level that they didn't know before. And all of a sudden they're like friends, you know, after a couple of days, I'm going to his house tonight, we're going to play such, I didn't even know he had that video game. It's great. And so in a way it was calculated, you have them sit there because you know that they're going to have downtime. They can't work constantly for two whole days sitting at a table in my office. They can get their work done and then they got time to kill. So what are they going to do? They're just going to talk. And they just start talking to each other and getting to know each other. And so that's all that relationship building piece, but it's done in a contrived way such that, you know, we're not going to get a repeat with, of what happened with these guys because now they're friends and they're going to each other's houses. So it's amazing what they can do if given the right situation where they're almost forced to have to get to know each other and talk it out. Now, I won't say that it always worked, but it worked more often than it not. And I, I think it's interesting too, because it's, I've had the question come up a number of times in conversations with kids, you know, they're saying, well, look, at the end of this, do I have to be this person's friend? And, and my answer is always no, uh, you don't have to be the person's friend. However, you do need to treat them with respect. And you need to be respectful in terms of your language, what you do with your body, that kind of thing. Uh, but no, you don't have to be best of friends. So yeah, it, it all leads to more conversation. And what I loved about those guys, and they were all, you know, they're all adults now. <laughs> this was a little while ago. But what I loved about it was that, like you said, they actually worked through and resolved things. Now, in the situation with, you know, that you described, Shelley, and also, you know, the situation that you described, Steve, um, there are times when we need somebody from outside of the situation to kind of help us because I've, I've seen so many situations where people have the best of intentions that the gut feeling is we got to talk about this. And so they go about talking about it and it just blows up in their face. Right. So having that kind of structure, like a formal conference or having a, you know, a circle, I think um, would be great. Close your eyes for this surprise. So I'm going to give you a scenario. This is a surprise scenario. You didn't know this was coming. Are your eyes closed? Yeah, they are. This is just a podcast. You don't have to really close your eyes, but you can if you want. So here's the scenario. It's a virtual school, virtual classroom. The teacher is, um, it's grade eight classroom. And the teacher is starting to get kind of discouraged because she's constantly teaching to a black screen. Like nobody has their cameras on and it's becoming more and more discouraging for her. She doesn't really know the kids. She probably wouldn't even recognize them. Um, what kinds of, what, what do you say? What do you say about that scenario? 
I might uh, ask her uh, if she'd use an affective statement at all. Do the kids know that this is difficult for her to teach to black screens? Again, they're only in their little perspective, their little screen um, and their little comfort zone. And they may not understand how that's affecting the bigger picture in the, the mind of a 13 year old generally is not about other people so much. It's more about what my needs are. I think that's a great uh, thought there to actually have her communicate what she's feeling and how it's affecting her. Because she was very expressive to her colleagues about how it's affecting her. But I, don't, I think you're right that her students may not know how it impacts them. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I'm just trying to mull over sort of that positive approach to it. I, I think if I was teaching that way, I would probably start trying to inject a little bit of humor at times just to see if people are listening, you know, sound checks or vision checks or you know, doing math questions, show me how you count on your fingers. So you're going to have to turn your camera on while you're doing it. So I can see your hands, little things like that to try and cajole them almost a little bit to get their cameras turned on. But I also just, you know, when somebody does volunteer to turn their camera on, just, you know, praising them saying, thanks very much. It makes me feel better that I can see you while you're talking. And maybe that message will start to sink through. It's not a problem that you're going to cure in five minutes it's going to take you a while and I, you know virtual schooling has been around for a bit and I think the problem is getting worse instead of better of people turning their cameras off and so teachers are going to have to be very creative I would suggest that maybe you know rather than just complaining or, or I guess complaining is the right word to other people start asking other people what they're doing to keep the mm -hmm. kids keep the kids engaged and have their cameras on and maybe it's more breakout rooms where the kids can talk amongst themselves where the teacher is not there uh, where they might start to realize that they can turn their cameras on, have conversations with each other. It's not as, it's not as uh, a difficult a thing. I would suggest that maybe a lot of the cameras are off simply because it's, the kids have learned that if I turn the camera off, I can do other things and nobody can see me do it. So, yeah. So, I wonder too if, um, you know, the teacher's struggling with virtual learning, are the kids struggling with virtual learning too, right? And, and you know, People are getting tired of certain things. So again, is there intent behind it? Or maybe understanding why the camera needs to be turned off. And maybe that's private. I mean, teachers can have a private chat, I believe, somehow with a student, right? So, you know, is it a private chat to say, is there any reason your camera's not on? What can I do to make you feel more comfortable to have that camera on? And also, it's really tough to get academic academics done through virtual. And you're right, people are getting tired of it. So maybe it's time to switch it up and say, you know, we're not gonna do math today. We're gonna to do something else. And, and it could be some games. It could be just a get to know you thing. It could be a virtual circle. It could be anything, but something to get the kids re-engaged with being online with each other rather than just sitting and listening to a lesson and doing work. Uh, that still has to happen, but I, it, it maybe they're getting tired. And when people are getting tired of a lot of things, even when we're face-to-face -face in class in school, after weeks and weeks and weeks of doing math on a Friday afternoon, you say, you know what, we're not going to do math today. We're going to do something else. It's been a long, hard week. Same concept, only this is virtual. So it was interesting in this conversation, this is an actual scenario. Um, uh, another teacher uh, who taught high school said, you know, that's an interesting question. Uh, so I'm just going to ask my kids. Mm -hmm. And so she just asked them, what, why do you have your cameras off? Like not not like a, it's a problem, but asked it in the, in a sense of 
like your cameras are off. Like what's going on with that? Be curious. Yeah, and she was really curious. And what happened was she got some fascinating answers back. Um, I was having a bad hair day. I didn't want anybody else to see the mess in my room. I didn't, you know, I wasn't wearing uh, clothes that I wanted people to see. Or, or any clothes. Or any clothes, right. So no, that's not what they said, okay? But no, that, you have to be an MP for that. That's a I different podcast. Was, yeah, what I thought was interesting though, was that this teacher actually, rather than guessing, actually asked a question. And as a result of that, she said, a number of the kids turned their cameras on. The other thing that happens is we assume that because we know the kids that they know each other. And that was not the case in this virtual school. I mean, it was a, a, you know, a community that was fairly spread out. So they didn't know anybody. So if they don't know anybody, they're not gonna turn their camera on. Whereas with your friends, they're turning the camera on constantly. So I thought it was, um, a great question to ask, one that goes to the heart of what has to happen in a lot of schools because of COVID, and um, a really interesting uh, response from one of the teachers to just ask the question. Any uh, last thoughts on uh, what do you say about this particular scenario? Oh, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, and that would change because now the teacher's thinking it's perhaps about her teaching style. They're not interested in me. So she's starting to do all that messaging to herself, which then brings down her affect, her mood, how she wants to approach things, her energy, when in fact, probably 80% of it by the sounds of it, didn't have anything to do with the teacher. It was these other factors. Um, and when she was able to understand that, even if they don't turn their cameras on, she know, now knows it's no longer about her personally and that there's other things going on. So now I can probably respond in a different way. Yeah, just trying to calm that little voice in your head that's saying, oh my goodness, I'm not good enough to do this job. And it seems like we've come, if you'll pardon the expression, full circle. Mm -hmm. um, to the need for positive relationships. Thanks for listening to us talk about our first circles. Have a story or scenario for us to talk about? Drop me an email to stan at restorative.ca. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at circle.forward. Check out our website, circleforward.ca, and let's keep the conversations going.